Hello and welcome to episode, episode three of season three of the Two Hands Under Hurl podcast. I'm your host this week, TJ Mills, and I'm joined by the legend that is Robbie Mansfield. How's things, Robbie? Yeah, I'm all good, TJ. Uh, had me pancakes yesterday, so uh, all happy. Did you have some yourself? Would you believe I never had one? <laughs> no. First year ever, I say, um, since... I was a young child and I'd be too young to know even what pancakes were. Um, yeah. but what would you have on the pancakes when you're having them? I'd be like pasta, be born, plain, and yourself. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose like, like Nutella is nice, but like they just kind of taste like Nutella then, really. But um, yeah, yesterday I had ones with a little bit, a small bit of Nutella and then just some cream and some uh, strawberries. And they're really, really nice uh, strawberries as well. So we kind of went down a treat. I'm allergic to Nutella. Uh, not yeah. Nutella especially, but hazelnuts. Even the smell of hazelnuts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Um, it, it was even... <laughs> <laughs> you probably get like a like a like you probably get like um a nut free alternative I'd say though. Would you believe the funny thing is I wasn't ever really a big fan of chocolate and then I went no. on the diet, lost the weight, and now I'd be kind of addicted to chocolate. I'd stay away from it, but if I have one bit, it's a bit like Homer Simpson with donuts or beer. I just go off so that's why I just stay away so it's kind of good maybe I yeah exactly I go on an odd binge now and again but sure and no (laughs) but um yeah no it's maybe a bit of lemon and a tiny bit of sugar but yeah no it's just didn't didn't feel it this year yeah yeah I know definitely uh, talking about tradition, we move on to big game of this weekend. Robbie Galway versus Limerick, Young Kylie versus Henry Shefflin. Um, Manny say one of the teams that ran um, Limerick really close last year in dollar and semi final only for the last few minutes. Uh, how do you see that one going? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's the game of the weekend, um, which is the first of all. As I was kind of saying to you, maybe before we popped on here that a lot of the games are you have a kind of fairly strong team against um maybe more you know mid-range sort of team um so you, you can, well I suppose like there's the um Wax for the Clare game that'd be kind of a good game as well but um in yeah. general the kind of the one that really stands out is the Galway Limerick and it could be uh you know potentially a semi-final or a final lineup uh this year as well but um I'm kind of thinking that like obviously every hurling manager is really like in the back of their mind, whatever about they have to like qualify from their province, but they have to come up with a game plan to try and beat Limerick. So it'd be interesting to see if Henry Shefflin decides to go and really win this game. And if he's kind of setting out certain different tactics for this game, as opposed to other games that they've played Um, and they're coming off a loss against Cork as well. So you imagine they've been, Full on preparing for two weeks for this. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. I'm thinking. I think is it. Um, just double check there. That I think Galway. Yeah, Galway are at home, Pierce Stadium. So I'm kind of just going to give the edge to Galway because I think they'll be a little bit more up for it, and they have home advantage. And I think Limerick will probably be 
maybe trying out a few uh, players and stuff like that. So how, what about yourself? How do you think it's going to go? Um, I won't write off a draw. I won't lie. Um, Limerick, poor first game against Cork. Um, even though the Limerick dominated for long periods, the poor finish by Limerick. Now, many might say ring rustiness show kind of their true form against Clare. But, I mean, Clare, I think, were without Tony Kelly that night as well. I was watching it, but I was trying to think before we came on, was Tony Kelly playing? I don't think he was. Um, so, yeah, I kind of go for a draw. Neither side, like you were saying, it could be a semi-final. Um, and it won't be a final turn for Kenny would make it. But, um, I know, all <laughs> seriousness, yeah, I mean, they are the two form teams. Another cracking game, actually, completely forgot about. Um, uh, yeah, this Saturday night, Dublin and Tipperary. Um, yeah. It'd be a real interesting one as well, um, both under new management. And um, Dublin, Dublin motoring well, um, had a good win against Santrum. And um, the thing about it is, is it, Tipperary won well two weeks ago against Kilkenny. There was a charity challenge match last Sunday for Dylan Quirk. Kilkenny won that one easily. Now, I know Tipperary fielded a really experimental side in the first half of that game. Came into it a bit more in the second half. But you wonder, will they be a bit there as well? Um, but... The, I think the real farm team at the moment, not going away from Galway and Limerick, is Cork. I mean, I'm really impressed with Cork. Um, they could have, if if it was last year, and I'm not saying it's change of management or anything, but I mean, if Cork were in the position they were against Limerick uh, last year, the the heads would have dropped completely. And I mean, then to back it up with a you could say a con- really convincing win against Galway. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the rankings now we've done in a few weeks' time, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd go for a draw in it, I won't lie. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, it'd be at this stage on paper, other than Cork, it's really hard to pick pick a team because they're no one really shown their true colours yes I think yeah it's kind of like a, a phony war kind of a cold war just kind of until the championship starts which is kind of unfortunate really but um, yeah, yeah. Sure. we just kind of have to <clears throat> take the bit of hurling that we have rather than kind of give it out about too much oh definitely I mean I know it's just great I mean you think about a couple of years ago we had nothing Robbie so it's back to yeah. full <laughs> full stadiums and everything again um, and it leads us on to the next thing it's great having games and everything but if we don't have people officiating at them and that's the refereeing crisis first question for you Robbie would you become a referee if you're asked in the morning uh, I don't think so uh, you know like one of the big reasons is because uh, I'm bald I've no hair at all and I think it would be quite an it would just be quite an easy like ah oh, you baldy fucker you know the way I think that would happen a lot <laughs> so I think like you know 
if you're a referee, you shouldn't have any sort of standout features that are going to be like completely like they're just going to go to town on you, really. But um, other than that, look, like it is, it is definitely it's a it's a tough gig, and you do get a lot of um, you know, I've seen it a lot. You know, club games referees get fierce abuse, and they have to have quite uh, you know, a thick uh thick skin really to stand it like another way. But um. Yeah, I just I don't think I could take the abuse. Like I I I would in general be I think I'm you know <laughs> you could say a lot of stuff to me and it wouldn't really bother me. But I think if I was you know there was like fifty sixty people kind of giving out about you or a hundred people or you know even more than that you know it's uh, definitely a lot of pressure. Um, and especially taking hurling like the ball is moving so fast and you know we've even talked a few times about having two two referees in a hurling game because it's moving so fast. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like soccer and GA refs don't get a lot of respect compared to say rugby um you know what the ref says in rugby is absolute and you know players won't they won't say boots to the ref because they know that there'll be consequences so you know it's probably a thing that has to change like culturally from you know underage that you know people can't be given out about the ref there as a lot of the times they're you know sometimes volunteering and sometimes getting paid very little to do this job um and as you're saying we we do need it for for all the sports to keep going so yeah i definitely wouldn't do it <laughs> but you know if if we are to get more people into refereeing and stuff there needs to be like a culture change in ga and soccer because there's, there's no respect for the referee at all at all you know and um there should be harsher penalties for people, you know, on the pitch given out. If you were given out to the referee, it should be like yellow card or you should ramp up fairly quickly so people know not to do it. But that's what I think anyway. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with you, Robbie. I trained as the referee there a few years ago and um, decided not, <laughs> it might sound bad, I think paid for the train, but... Um, decided against it I really did because you see some things goes on but is it a question if we say focus on the GA for a second is the GA bringing an awful lot of that on themselves I mean you have rule changes different interpretation of the rules like you look in rugby you have TMOs um, the soccer are gradually bringing in pitches well, not gradually bringing in, but the uh, um, VAR, I mean, but in the GA, it's a split decision. I mean, if you take a game of hurling and not, I mean, it's a faster game than football. It's That's crystal clear to see, but you have a split second and there's no backup. There's genuinely no backup to the referee. You have a linesman. In soccer, at least, they have a bit of power. Um, rugby, the same. They can highlight if there's a foul to the referee. They can hi- highlight foul play. Um, say, rugby, forward pass, um, foot into touch, different things like that. GA and our referee in GA are, is on their own. And then they get the, the flat for making a split-second decision. Yeah, um, I suppose like there's there's two different sort of like parts to it. There's like the grassroots sort of, um, you know, where they're not going to have the kind of technology aspect of it as well, because um, they don't have it maybe in like you know local soccer or local local rugby and stuff. But 
you know, it's a bigger pitch than soccer and rugby. So, you know, it makes sense that they have some sort of support or extra refereeing. But I suppose just like if they're barely getting enough, you know, for one referee, they're not going to like, like pay more people to come to matches and, and stuff like that, you know, in a way. But um, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy uh, situation. And just, you know, I don't even know that many referees, to be honest with you. So, and there's not too many people putting their hand up for it. So, um, could just be throwing the ball in and letting the guys go and <laughs> just someone to blow the whistle at half time. You know, that, that could even be even better. You never know. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you look at kind of studying bits in college on it at the moment, but the likes of AI and all of that, their talks of bringing new technology in soccer as well, especially around the offside rule and all of that, that to be a clearer interpretation and, um, maybe it's something, but I mean, compared to other sports, there's what the umpires now are. I stand corrected on it, but I think they're trained referees for inter county games anyway. So you have basically four to you have seven officials and still getting decisions wrong. But it's something we won't iron out tonight anyway, Robbie, but it, I say be a topic we'll move back to again in the very near future. Um, yeah, we move on anyway, and this is not my favourite topic, um, but I have to do it. I have to bite my tongue, and what the bloody hell happened to Liverpool last night? Did you see the game, Robbie? i just seen the highlights. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a of an implosion um, and I think a lot of people are blaming uh, Gomez he's involved in a lot of the yeah. like I think he he made a foul that what led to the header goal and you know he just didn't cover himself in glory with a lot of the time but I think maybe in general I, I heard the feedback is that they just the legs were gone or after the initial sort of maybe Anfield crowd getting them going and they were chasing and harrying and they went 2-0 up and everything was going great and then the what people have said is just they were you know outmatched physically you know and Real Madrid you know probably one of the best teams obviously won the Champions League last year they won the Club World Cup um, you know a lot of a few other Premier League teams would, would kind of probably vie for best team in the world right now but um, definitely they're up there so yeah, what do you make of it as a Liverpool fan? What's what's uh, what's going wrong, and is it a situation that it can get better, or is it just going to go from bad to worse? And I just sent you a thing there on WhatsApp about Klopp. I just saw that. Yeah, a, maybe a, a clickbaity sort of headline, but maybe he's in talks about resigning. You know, so what do you think well, what, as a Liverpool fan? What's going wrong, and can it be fixed? Well, it can't be Klopp's fault. Being honest, yeah, they can be a certain thing has to rest on the manager being part of management teams. And I mean, way lower, well, no disrespect, way lower level, but I mean, inter-county are not talking about professionalism, even though it's the players, management, everything, but it's compared to soccer, it's not professional. Simple as that, you have people being paid millions, but if you have bad results, the first thing you look at is yourself. It's as simple as that. You never really focus on the players. You wonder whether you prepared the team right, whether you done everything right. Um, were the distractions in the background? Were they? Um, was the team bus late? 
Were there delays along the way? Were there injuries during the week? Did you not know players were available? Now, that's going side topic. That's, that's where management will look. But if you think about it, there was an announcement on Monday night from John Henry, and he said Liverpool aren't up for sale. And you had speculation going on since last November when the announcement came that Liverpool were up for sale. There were Qatari interests. There were American interests. Then it went to small investment. Being a Liverpool fan, following forums, uh, social media posts and all of that, you're being linked with this player, you're being linked with that player. And I mean, that's things that players shouldn't be focusing on, but you ask anyone, they say, here, I don't look at newspapers, I don't listen to reports. Yeah, there's a certain amount of feedback into it. Could be a certain level of tiredness from last year, the past couple of years. I mean, going for four major trophies last year, missing out on the Premier League and the Champions League. I mean, only for the Madrid goalie in the Champions League last year, Liverpool maybe could have won it. I mean, he was just superb. Um, there are different factors. I mean, I think it's lack of investment, Robbie. I think it's yeah. a severe lack of investment. I mean... Could it be Mane as well? They don't have Mane as a threat. Um, oh, I know definitely. They, when he's there, they have like teams will have to give him respect because you know if they play a certain way and Mane's in the team, he'll do you... Um, so is that too simplistic to say that maybe losing Mane and not being able to have that sort of in behind threat that he he posed is that um is that part of it um or is it like sort of maybe Nunes you know he gets a lot of criticism for maybe missing some shots and stuff but um maybe he doesn't link to play like Firmino used to link to play like Firmino didn't score a lot uh in phases I think he's he went like. A long time without scoring in Anfield one time, but he's more of a he's more of a facilitator where he'll you know provide an assist or something like that. So, is it that sort of simplistic, or is it like that they need a more of an overhaul of the squad and maybe possibly Klopp move on? It's a combination of factors, Robbie. I mean, losing Manny was unbelievable. I mean, it's um, Salah hasn't been the same. It's as simple as that. Salah is not having the season that he had over the past couple of seasons. I mean, uh, the next topic, I won't mention it yet, but there's a player being mentioned for Ballon d'Or already. I mean, Salah wasn't even close to it um, in the rankings for Ballon d'Or, but yet he was the top scorer in the, the Premiership. Um, I think only behind Kane last year, I, I stand corrected on that, but I think that's the way it finished up. I mean, yeah, they might have had so, a, might have been a tie, maybe the boat might have been a tough score, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I mean, there was a partnership there. I mean, Manny and Salah, but then you look at Manny was sold and brought in Nunes and uh, Gapo, and I mean, you look at Chelsea at the moment, and I'm not turning it away from Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea are after spending what close to three hundred million, and under pressure. Yeah, I know. And it, I mean, if Potter is under pressure, 
And the way it is, just because you make sign in transfers doesn't mean you're going to have automatic success. You need players to blood in. You have players coming from different leagues, different continents. Um, they could be a language barrier. There's talks when Nunes come in at start, he couldn't understand cloth. Um, so communication was being outlined as an issue. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Just because you sign in a player to replace another one, that doesn't mean automatic success. It took many a while to blood into the squad, like you were saying, Firmino. Um, it took him a while, and he had a terrific start to the season. Then you had injuries. I mean, you look at some of the injuries Liverpool had. Not making excuses. We're just not good enough at the moment. This season, we're just not good enough. And I, I won't sugarcoat it. Is it a crisis? Yeah. Will it last forever? No. Um. If we don't invest in the summer, will we be in trouble? Yeah. Um, if we don't qualify for the Champions League, will it be an issue? Yeah, because you could have donors saying, here, we haven't the money to spend to rebuild the midfield and central back positions that we need. Uh, Van Dijk, an absolute exceptional player. He got injured the time with Pickford against Everton. Doesn't seem to be right. I know amateur players that came back from knee injuries and their performance levels were just same because it's a major injury. And there are a combination of factors, but compared to an amateur sport, Robbie, the, and the money that's in soccer at the moment, Liverpool are one of the most wealthiest squads around. Um there, there were worth 300 million when the sales talks came. There were talks of three to five billion. So, I mean, they are decisions that have to be made. Does all this hang on Klopp? No, because Klopp, I think, has enough of merits there. Um, and I think its donors have to be looked at. Maybe they are different decisions. I mean, Maybe it's a thing like Brian Cody used to do when he needed to freshen things up, look at the backroom team. Um, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's a basic symbol that could be taken from GA. Is maybe you get a Mills in there, physical trainer. <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. You'll <laughs> uh, get in there and you'll be you'll get into their heads and you'll you'll uh, you'll ramp them up psychologically. Uh, so, so, you know, they could go to Madrid now and win 4 0. If he like, uh, do you know what, actually? And it's funny, Pat Spillan said something a few years ago, and it's true. I think there's an article there at the weekend as well. Let GA play, or like GA, you hear GA teams sometimes. After a bad result, let players go away, let them go on the piss for a couple of days. Like iron out everything out of their system. Liam Kearns done it when he was in charge of the Tipperary footballers. Had a good result, let the lads go out, blow off steam, and let our Kieran McGeaney when he was in Kildare. If there's an issue going on there that no one knows about at the moment, put him into a boxing ring in a controlled environment and let him iron it out. And they are something there, but being honest, if you're not a Liverpool fan, I don't think listening to the podcast or me 
bemoan in what's going on at the moment. We're just not good enough. Arsenal were in that position. They were very, they missed out on Champions League last year. Now they're close top of the table. They were top of the table. I think Man City are ahead on goal difference. Um, Manchester United were there. They're back up again. So maybe it's the thing, need change of players. Um, it's not always management, but if it is, so I don't think it's management, but maybe it's just change of players. But I don't have faith in donors uh, to yeah. be able to 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 rebuild, um, and that's the biggest concern. Uh, will we be down forever? No, but anyway, um, that's enough of me crying about Liverpool. We'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, and everyone that's slagging at the moment will get their comeuppance. Anyway, we move on and we mentioned the player that's been linked to a Ballon d'Or already. Um, and I was saying for a couple of years on the podcast, the state of the club, but they're on a great run. And Marcus Rashford, is it too early to be talking about awards for um, four or five runs, a good run? Five Four or five games, good run. Uh, I think it's more than that. I think he's uh, since the start of since he came back from the World Cup. Anyway, um, he's got twenty four goals in all competitions, which is the same as Cristiano Ronaldo in all of last year. So, all of last season, I should say, in all competitions. So, you know, he's definitely going to break that. And a lot of people are saying that Ronaldo was the savior of Man United last year and all this sort of stuff. And even though they're they're played better with him gone now, but um. You know, because the Ballon d'Or is within the calendar year, so if he was definitely to keep up this uh, trend of form, um, especially because he's English as well, um, because the hype machine goes a lot higher for English players, uh, it has to be said. Um, it's like the joke that you know you can have two players that are exactly the same, and if one of them is English, you're gonna pay a premium, uh, to get him to your club, um. So I definitely think, you know, he'd be in the conversation if he was to maintain this form for the rest of the year. So that it's just, it's going to be hard for him to do that because he hasn't been able to sustain like a super runner form like this for so long. Um, and, you know, maybe he's a confidence player that, you know, if a few games go go by and he doesn't score a goal, the head drops. And then, you know, that the chances he's putting away, you know, like fairly easy now could, uh, could could ramp up and be a lot harder, you know. But um, you know, I think we've we've also kind of nearly forgotten about Haaland as well. Haaland is kind of, you know, he's gonna probably yeah. smash the Golden yeah. Boot record, but he's there's still there's a lot of people kind of having criticism of him and maybe Man City play better without him and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, so yeah, I definitely I moved Rashford into my uh, fancy football team. I have to say, done the same. <laughs> Done the same. Even though, <laughs> even, though he's a mid, even though he's a midfielder in fantasy football, well, I suppose it actually makes it better because you can have an a, a offensive midfielder or whatever. Um, yeah, so I moved Rashford in there, but I suppose everyone has him now, so I've kind of blunted that a bit. But um, yeah, I'm always happy when he's when he's when he scores. Um, but yeah, I think you know if he was to keep up this run, he'd definitely be in the conversation. He'd be definitely in you know the top three, top four, top five, depending on the years that other people have. And you'd have to say, at the minute, is there someone 
you know, obviously Haaland is. Is there someone else who's on as good of a run of form as him in Europe? Um, you know, obviously we don't really know about much of the rest of the world soccer, but Europe is where a lot of the top players play. So could you think of anyone who's on a better run of form than him at the minute? Honestly, can't. But I, it was actually going to bring me to the next question, Robbie. Are they a kind of a Premier League bias? And now I don't mean a bias towards uh, Premier League players. I mean, it's actually anti-Premier League. I mean, if you look at people are talking that the Premier League is the best league in the world. <clears> and I'd honestly believe that. Um, I mean, you have Bayern Munich on a but. 12 13 season run um uh, PSG in France um trying to think of Spain well it's between Real Madrid Barcelona for years then you had Atletico a bit there but you never hear real talk of Premier League winning the Ballon d'Or I mean yeah. Ronaldo was never really that high up when he went to United. Now, is Stan corrected on that, boy? You never, I mean, we mentioned. I think Harry he won the Ballon d'Or United. Salah. I could be wrong. Oh, did he? Oh, no, I know, honestly, I stand corrected on that. I oh, know, definitely, if I'm wrong on that, I. But you yeah. never. I think hear... there was a year where he, he broke George Best's goal scoring record. I think he could have got 50 goals oh, okay. in the year or something like that. It could have been like the year or two before he left United. I'm like. Oh, okay. I'm nearly Sorry, sure. Yeah. I'm really sure. Well, kind of in recent years. Um, but I know I, I definitely stand corrected on that, but you never hear the likes of Harry Kane being considered. And he is a, he is a great player. He genuinely is a great player. And yeah. I mean, right trophies as well, and Spurs don't really get many of them. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's a bit, not turned back to the GA, but I mean, it's a bit like the All-Stars. If you're not in an all earned semi-final or final, you could be the great, the greatest player in the championship up until then, and you mightn't even get it. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the way it seems to be with Ballon d'Or as well. But um, oh no, honestly, I have greatest respect for Marcus Rashford. Um, and the reason why is I I think he's a genuine decent guy away from the soccer field as well. You think of the charity work he done away from the soccer field. I mean, he really made a show of the British government highlighting the, the poverty that were in certain parts of Britain. Um, he set up, um, I think, uh, school food clubs and all of this and invested a lot of time and money into that as well, raised awareness. And I mean, <coughs> sorry, similar to what you hear about Cristiano Ronaldo, I heard he's done a lot of charity work as well. Um, but, I mean, you, you kind of have to respect players like that. And I would have taken a, a lot of respect for Rashford from that. Um, we're coming up to the break time. I think we have, what, eight minutes. But uh, we move on to the rugby, uh, Robbie, and big game the weekend. Um, Scotland, France. Um, how do you see that one going? Yeah, it's um, it's gonna be an incredible game, really. Um, so I'm just looking forward to 
to watching it really. But um, I'm kind of hoping that France beat Scotland. Um, because what that will do, it will help us out in our next game because we're going to uh Edinburgh, and if Scotland are coming off a loss, then they won't have the Grand Slam fever. So if yeah, or the momentum for like a Grand Slam, um. So, you know, you can see a situation where we have a bad, like, not we're obviously probably going to beat Italy, um, but if we don't play well against Italy and we're not on form and then we're coming in to play Scotland, then is it, I don't know if it's the next week or the, or just two-week break this time, but um, if we're, we're playing Scotland on a high and we're not great and it's in Murrayfield and, you know, it could could just be a banana skin um, for this, um, for Ireland's Grand Slam hopes, you know, but... um. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tri-fest. It's going to be people scoring from all angles. And it probably, more than likely, I'd say it's going to be the game of the tournament um, in ter- from an attacking point of view. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just really, you know, looking forward to seeing it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of intrigued as well with the Wales and England game. As we were talking a bit beforehand, there's a bit of trouble in the Welsh camp. Um and England aren't doing great as well, so a loss for either team there could be catastrophic for you know their their World Cup year ahead. Um, so hopefully Ireland getting a, a good convincing win against Italy in Rome, and hopefully it's a nice day out for all the Irish fans over there. And I think Ross Byrne is in for Johnny Sexton, <laughs> which is there. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's going to be an entertaining weekend. Hopefully, solid win for Ireland, and uh, two cracking uh games and. You know, I'm kind of hoping for a France win just to help with the Ireland Six Nations uh, chances, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd agree with you. I think I'm really looking forward to the Scotland-France game. I think France will bounce back. Uh, I really do. I think Ireland were exceptional against France. Now, I missed the first half live, but I watched the highlights back. Um, So... I, I won't lie, I would fear slightly going to Rome. Now, people might say, well, you feared going to um, the Millennium Stadium, um, or Principality Stadium facing Wales. But, I mean, Italy can be sticky in Rome. They really can. Now, I'm not saying they'll be us or anything, but it could be, it could be tense enough for a while. Now, it could be a cakewalk either. I mean, it, it depends. I mean, this Irish team at the moment, you expect to get a, po- a bonus point victory against Italy. I mean, if you're number one in the world, you're you're after beating New Zealand, uh, Australia, South Africa, France. I mean, um, you have to be going over with that. But I think Jonathan Sexton not being there, well... If we're able to deal with that, now I know it's this, I and no disrespect, but if it's a good test to find out where we are if it is a tense game over in Rome. Um, I'd rather get away with a three-point win and say Joey Carberry or Ross Byrne, Joey Carberry who's called back up, I mean, kind of had to dig deep and kind of showed they're there that if if Johnson Sexton isn't available for a game in the World Cup or something happens, well, we have a replacement there. Um, 
not to waffle on before we take the break. I think it's absolutely shocking what's going on in Wales at the moment. I mean, for such a proud rugby country to have players threatening to go on strike. Um, there was a big meeting going on earlier today. We're recording Wednesday night. I didn't hear the outcome of it, but I heard it didn't get off in good start anyway because the Wales players had to carry chairs up to the meeting room for that. Um, there are talks that some of the players' salaries will be paid in bonuses instead of uh, upfront cash in a sense. Um, so for a team that's after achieving so much, getting to a World Cup semi-final, uh, Six Nations champions, Grand Slam champions, proud um, provincial, well, kind of club teams in the European Cup and uh, Pro 12, all of that, to go to this stage where players are threatening strike because they're not sure of their livelihoods. I mean, there's a human aspect to it as well. I heard someone saying, which you don't think about professional sports stars, but you have players worrying about being able to make their mortgage repayments. And that's how serious it is in Wales at the moment. But um, hopefully common sense will prevail. Wales will be able to come up with the money and they'll go out and beat England the weekend. <laughs> I really yeah, hope hopefully. that. <laughs> well, they hate yeah. England, so they should be well up for that anyway, no matter what's happening off pitch. Wouldn't it be some disastrous Six Nations if um, Scotland, Wales and Ireland beat um, England? That would be something to say, but at the moment, it's we're on a base preparation with Liverpool. Are, I mean, things going on in the background that can get teams sidetracked. This shift coming up to a big Six Nations game, it's definitely not the preparation Warren Gatlin would want for his team. Anyway, that's if they're able to field the team the weekend. Anyway, yeah. um, I think we take a break anyway, Robbie, because time's running out here since we're still too mean to pay for um, <laughs> uh, Zoom. Yeah. And we'll come back with um, one of my favourite topics, I think, driving pet peeves. Talk to you in a minute, bud. All right, chat a bit. Talk to you. Hello and welcome back. It may not be a break for the listeners, but it was a break for ourselves there. I was able to get a 10-minute sleep in a couple of pints and a sandwich. So, uh, Did you have a good break, Robbie? Oh, yeah. Just uh, went for a quick 5K run there. Oh, fair play to you. Now it was a couple of pints of water I had. So. <laughs> a private joke to friends from years ago, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we go on and we drive on literally and it's uh, pet peeves we have when we're driving, Robbie. I know I could go on all night about it, so that's why I let you take it away. What is the number one thing that drives you mad when you're out driving? Number one. Uh, I suppose it's kind of different depending on what kind of road you're on. Um, on the motorway, it's the people in the middle lane. Um and I think yeah. I think a lot of people don't know this, but the middle lane is like an overtaken lane. So, you know, if you're if you're well, you know, for Irish people, it's the left lane. But for maybe other countries around the world, it'd be the right lane is like the slow lane, as it were. And then there'd be like a, a middle lane. 
and then other people see the outside lane as being the fast lane. But um, what often happens is if you're overtaking someone in the slow lane and you just get these uh these slow cows, and I don't mean that in like the because they're women, but just they're just you know it's like a slow cow just kind of moving around the field. Um, you know they're just sitting in the middle middle lane, and you know it could be men and women and old people and young people. Um just sitting there and you know not a care in the world and happy house and you know they really should just be getting out of the way i suppose i really kind of dislike that um because it kind of forces you to have to kind of move over the lane and all this stuff but, um and then i suppose on smaller roads which we have a lot of them in ireland is when people just pull out in front of you and then they proceed to drive really 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 slow so they pull yeah. out in front of you so you have to stop and then they're just kind of, you know, going like a good 20, 30 kilometers under the speed limit. And you're just like, why? Why why didn't you just let me pass? Um, you know, especially if there's not if there's no car behind me. So there, there wasn't going to be, they weren't going to be stuck there for long. So they pull out and then, you know, then drive really slow. And you're like, well, you know, that's kind of pointless. Um, but yeah, I think as well, you know, not to encourage fast driving or speeding or anything, but if someone's on like a country road and, you know, it's a kind of fairly decent road and they're doing like 40, 60 kilometers an hour, like they really should have their license taken off them. Uh, I'm sorry, but like, you know, if the, if the speed limit on the road is like 80 to 100 or, you know, this sort of thing and they're doing 40, 60, like, listen, just take the driver's license off them and because they're going to probably cause more accidents not more accidents than speeding but um you know potentially could cause a lot of accidents from going too slow you know so um what's a few your top ones if you if you have so many you can't get through them all oh definitely what you're mentioning there is and i'd go a different impression you had these fucking idiots in all these bmws and they driving straight down the outside lane on the motorway, like you were saying, just the entire fucking way. And then you have one chance to get out or something, and they're just constantly there. And they mightn't be going quick enough, but they're still on the outside lane. Um, yeah. Uh, another one uh, just drive me mad when you mentioned it there, Robbie. I was working in Wexford before Christmas. It used to take an hour and a half, maybe hour, 40 minutes to get home. And it was just because of what you were saying, people mooching along as about 75, 80 kilometers an hour on a hundred kilometer an hour road. And it also, it, one evening actually, it took me an hour to get from Wexford to New Ross. Now, if anyone isn't certain of, say, if they're listening from outside of Ireland, which we know we have a lot, lucky to have a lot listening, that's about, what, 15, 20-minute drive max. Um, easily you do it in that, without breaking the speed limit. Put on cruise control, you go along 15, 20 minutes, well over an hour. And it was just constant and then every time you had a chance to try and get out someone else would pull out and or someone to try and overtake or they'd actually overtake you trying to overtake so you actually had to 
stuff to overtake. And then another one, which really drives me mad, is indicators. I mean, indicators don't cost you any more in fuel. It isn't going to hurt your arms putting them on, but especially at roundabouts. There's, um, if you're stuck in the queue at a roundabout, you get to the top of the queue, you think you have a chance to go, and some are in, didn't either put on the indicator or they do Father Dougal on it and put on the wrong indicator. So they could be going straight on that roundabout and they put on the right hand indicator. And it, yeah, just drives me mad. But like I was saying, I could go on forever. But is it a situation, Robbie, that you pass your driving test and you have a license for life? There's actually people driving it with full licenses that never actually passed the test. You had people who passed the test and they have a license to drive anything. And then say our age group got a license, you only get it for a motorbike, a car, a tractor. And then there's the current age group are say millennials. They have to do 12 lessons before they can even apply for the test. So, I mean, they seem to be a serious divide there. Yeah, I think as well, there's like a really older generation of particularly older ladies. Um, and I think it was that if their husbands had a car, then they got they automatically got a driver's license. <laughs> they never did it then. Which is just the most hilariously Irish thing I've ever heard in my life. Slasher, just give them a license. Like, um, but yeah, I think, you know, compared to like other European countries, like Germany in particular, there's a huge, like, you know, you, you're doing like, you know, hours and hours of, you know, theory stuff before you get behind a wheel, which, you know, could be too much, um, in my opinion, anyway. But yeah, I think having the lessons, having the mandatory lessons is good. Um, is a good thing as well. But, you know, maybe it's a certain thing that you need to like renew your license or you need to do like a certain test every so often. Now I think a lot of people will be like, Oh God, no. <laughs> but like some people just yeah. aren't confident driving. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, that sort of stuff. So, you know, would it be better? Would it be safer? Uh, definitely be a lot less. Uh... Well, I think as well, sometimes people just drive a certain way for a driving test and then they just forget that they have indicators, like, you know, um, yeah joke about the bmw driver and it's like uh what's this weird light on my dashboard it just come on there i don't know what it is and it's like the indicator light um yeah. so yeah but um yeah i think there's definitely a lot of people with questionable you know driver's license out there oh definitely definitely i mean there's the topic popped into me head i think we might discuss it maybe in a further one but it's just the restrictions that are coming in are absolutely being screwed on motor tax. Well, if you have a newer car, motor tax isn't too bad. There are no, I mean, it's very hard to buy a brand new car at the moment. It's as simple as that. But you look at the shit going on with NCT. Like I, like I was saying, we mentioned it further on maybe in another podcast, but NCT is up the end of August and I actually had to book it in two weeks ago for Waterford and the closest date I could get back then was the 12th of August. I said I book it, have a couple of weeks, 
gone fucking October now. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a huge waiting list. I think there was a backlog because of COVID and uh, maybe not enough test centers and a lot of stuff like that, I think, as well. So, yeah, well, it's definitely a struggle if you want to get your NCD done. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but like I was saying, I'm on a hinge of eye driving. So we move on to the top picks and I let you take it away, Robbie. Yeah, top picks. I don't really have a lot of new ones, really. I'm I'm just kind of finishing off the ones I have been watching, really. Um, kind of Vikings and The Last of Us and stuff like that. So I don't really have any new stuff. Um, but I actually got a, I just got a book, uh, from Easton's during the week, and I just, cool. you know, it's a, it, I just got it online, I suppose, um, which was kind of the cool thing, and it came like, within like one or two days, so I think that's, you know, you know, if you're, maybe don't have time to go to a bookstore, that's a nice alternative, and they deliver pretty quickly as well. So, yeah, that's just all I'm gonna say for this week, because um, I just got watching a lot of stuff that I have been watching, so I have to finish those before I can move on, because I'm. I'm a devil for starting stuff and then never finishing it. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, you met your brother here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, trying to finish off a few things that I have been watching and yeah, and this year I'm I'm also trying to like not watch anything that I've watched already, if you know what I mean. Because there's so much like yeah. content out there that, you know, I want to be looking for, for new stuff and um yeah, and just as well the Viking series they're actually doing a as they're starting filming for season three of that as well so that's that's something to look forward to as well oh deadly i won't lie i never watched it but it's definitely on the list that i have to watch you should watch the original you should watch the original viking because i'm an extra in the final season so you might spot me in there yeah no, i know i was going to say that we have a celebrity <laughs> in our midst wow i don't know but i don't know if you've been an extra as a celebrity but um yeah, it's definitely uh was an interesting time. Anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean to ever to ever be involved with something like that is it's great credit and fair play, Robbie. Um I know there's someone I would have worked with a few years ago and they're involved in voiceover work now and they got an award over in Hollywood there a few weeks ago and um it's just a new area he broke into. He was always involved with radio and voiceover and DJing. And uh, congratulations to Mark Collins, um, is his name. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely something if you didn't do, it's definitely worth getting into. Um, yeah, topics this week. I actually went down through a rabbit hole on YouTube, which I can be known to do. And mm-hmm. did you ever hear of a lad called Ivan Brackenbury? No. Well, I can't think of his proper name. I'll look it up. Uh, but it's a piss take of a hospital radio DJ. And there's um, some really funny videos on YouTube of Ivan Brackenbury. And some of the things, if anyone saw the misheard lyrics that... Um, Oh, what's his name? Oh, the comedian. Oh, Jesus. Um, he done is this way Tamarillo, the the comic Peter relief K. version. Peter K. It's kind of a version of Peter K's misheard song lyrics, but it's a hospital radio DJ. His name's Tom Bins that plays him, and it's mm. actually worth checking out. He is really hilarious. 
uh, some of the videos are old now at the moment to be a few years old, but definitely worth checking out. Uh, the other uh, topic, I know I don't really need to plug it because it's gone for years and years. Um, it's one of the highlights of today, FM, it's Gift Road, Mario Rosenstock, soon two nights in Kilkenny next week, next Thursday and Friday. I'm heading into it Friday night. Really looking forward to it, and yeah, definitely worth checking out. He's playing gigs all around the country, and definitely. So I said I mentioned that because I may not be around next Friday night because I'm heading to that. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's the only top picks. Busy doing college assignments and all of that. Actually, before we move on, I want to wish both Kilkenny City Mocker and Callan Mocker the very best of luck during Capers final in Cork, Ovens in Cork on this coming Saturday night. Um, great shows and uh, definitely worth um, checking them out. I say to be on social media, but if you're around the country and you're stuck for, not stuck for something to do, if you want something to do Saturday night, be definitely worth checking out there. Uh, Describe Makara to people, to the uninitiated. Uh, well, after last Saturday night, uh, I don't want to know about it for a while because I was dying for two, three days after Black Tide off. But uh, yeah. I know it's, it's um, many people think it's only for uh, people from agricultural background. It's not. It's an organization for 17 to 35 year olds, even though that can stretch a bit because I'm still in it. Um, and it's they do sports, they do uh, events involved with a, a festival that's coming up in April. In it's usually held in Kilkenny, but it's held in Clonmel this year called the Mister P. There's female versions of that as well, um, along the lines of the Rosa Trolley, Queen of the Lands, Miss Mocker, all of that. There are events like that. There are table quizzes. There's sports. Um, so if you're around Ireland, there's even international versions. Um, there Northern Ireland. There's also um, Wales. Uh, the young farmers groups that isn't just for farmers, but there. But it's definitely worth checking out. And I know it's been the, you could say the best what, six seven years I've been involved in, and you make friends for life in it. So um, Limo that was on the podcast. Uh, Anthony Cullison, all members as well. So um, it just shows the the wide range in things and enjoyment that's there. Um, move on anyway. And before the high ball, I still have to try and think for high ball. But uh, social media verification badges. Um, I let you take it away, Robbie, because I think it's the biggest load of shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so it's basically just people, you know, there's people who are verified on Instagram. I'm not sure if it's just not, probably not on uh, Facebook, but there's people who are verified on Instagram and you're going to have to pay like a subscription, maybe, you know, 12, 13 euros or dollars a month to be verified on Instagram to make sure you're a real person. And I suppose it's to combat all the, you know, fake accounts and bots and all the sort of stuff that are on social media. Um, but to be honest, I think a lot of people you can spot like a fake account pretty quickly because they have very few followers or you know 
they've got a very skewed follower to followee ratio. Um, yeah, and maybe I think maybe is it a bigger sign that maybe social media companies like they're they're either maybe they're kind of maxed out their potential in terms of ad revenue, and now they're looking for more ways to make money off people. Um, but you know, I think it's I think it's actually kind of sad that people would pay to be verified on these sort of things. Um, to be honest with you, and you know. Like as someone who's not verified on Instagram because they don't have enough followers, uh, <laughs> of course I'm gonna say that. But um, you know I think you know Elon Musk tried to do it with with um Twitter and stuff. I'm not sure how that worked out. If there was less people, you know, signing up to Twitter, or if he made much money from the verification process or whatever. But um, so, you know maybe for like big accounts like you know sports clubs and stuff like that, it's worthwhile doing because they don't want someone to maybe be pretending to be you know like Liverpool FC or you know then they could say something that's you know they could say like something that's very bad and you know then they get blamed for it and stuff like that so I can kind of see maybe for like big companies it makes sense um but yeah I don't know I I don't know why you would pay for it to be honest with you you know because people are going to know if you're a fake account or not by very quickly anyway you know the way so uh, yeah, but, obviously you, you don't go on. I know. Sorry for butting in there, but the funny thing about it is, is it really proper verification? I mean, you see some. I go on Twitter a good bit now. I don't post that often, but I go on it a bit. Say, to get news on, say, GA matches, GA news, say news on Liverpool or follow golf or whatever yokes like that and you see some of these really weird posts with blue verification marks and I mean in other words it's not proper verification it's a revenue like you're saying it's a revenue gatherer for these social media companies because you could be one of the most biggest extremist groups out there and if you pay what 12 euro a month or that's what face messes on about for facebook and instagram twitter i think it's for a tenner or something you pay the money you have a blue badge it's like getting a golden star when you're in primary school i mean what does it mean yeah so it's yeah so it's you know i think it's very cringy to be honest with you um but yeah, some people will pay for it though. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. Would it really work if you're out on a night out to a trench and press someone? Oh, I got verified. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> some people would say that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It's, uh, I think it's funny. And being honest, I think the day of social media is slightly dying. Um. God be with the days of Bebo. Then it went to Facebook. Facebook's moving away. It's Instagram now. Instagram seems to be okay, but now it's TikTok. Um, and you wonder what the next thing will be. Um, but scary thing about it is, Facebook could be what nearly very close to twenty year old. Would it? Did it come out around two thousand and six? So it'll be what about seventeen year old. Mm, probably yeah thereabouts yeah and um, 
like I know Bebo done a, a launch there. I remember getting an invite. I don't know how I got an invite for it, but I don't think I've been on it once since. So um, oh. <laughs> I think today's the social media is slightly dying anyway, but would it be really a bad thing? Um, well, you know, I suppose there's, there's ups and downs to it, uh, social media and stuff like that, but um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we, you never know. It could be, uh, could be a net positive for everyone around the world if we had no more social media or if we had a different type of social media, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, there's what? It used to be Facebook friends, and then when you see them on the street, they won't be friends. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's got. Uh, anyway, I think I tossed the high ball. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, because usually my high balls are pretty bad, but uh, I don't know if you heard tonight, but um, the government lost the vote in the the doll without there being really a vote, and there was a the eviction ban. It was being uh, the people before puffers put forward a motion that the eviction ban will go on for twelve months, and the government minister. A junior minister in charge, Karen O'Donnell, uh, was caught yapping and didn't oppose it. So, in other words, the government lost uh, the vote. So, the question is after that long born introduction, did you ever just make a complete fuck up when you were meant to be the one in charge? Um, well, I don't know if I made a complete mess up to answer you, but. Maybe half ass something. That probably maybe I think what maybe sometimes I would do, I would maybe procrastinate and then think, Oh yeah, I just need to do that and then when it comes down to it there's actually a lot more to do than you think, you know, right? So and then you have yeah. to kinda of panic and do something kinda of last minute. But um you know, if I was in charge of something I think I'm I work pretty good under pressure, so I think I'd be able to pull something out of the bag. Uh kind of, you know, that's half decent. Maybe not great, but kinda of half decent. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know. I made a complete balls up on time. I it wasn't fully me fault now. I I won't mention where or who, but uh, I was doing a radio show one time and um, thought I had everything prepared. Everything was perfect. It was after doing the last bulletin and got sent in audio and uh, it was meant to be an interview. I think with Brian Cody and everything was grand, had it queued up, went to play ice with the interview, audio went and play. Now, <laughs> anyone understands audio is, there's, say, in radio stations, there's certain formats that has to be for certain media players. And yeah. I thought it was done. Usually it's done, but it wasn't done this time. So the interview I had with Brian Cody turned out to be the only CD I could find in the studio was Abba, Give Me, Give Me, Give Me. And <laughs> that was the end of a sports show. It was the only thing I could think of. I thought I might have gotten away with it because the text machine was quite that night. Yeah. But it was actually, I say I met about 20 people after and all they done was burst out laughing. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> was a bad, bad, and it was actually the last show I was doing that thing because I was doing something, going doing something else. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, you went there yeah, with a bang. I'm, oh, definitely. I met an old man uh, at the game one time after, and he said, "Oh, it was an interesting interview you had the other night." But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that high ball went, Robbie. Uh, you were in next time, thank God. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we leave it at that. It was an absolute pleasure as always, and uh, thanks a million for everyone for tuning in. It's it's absolutely exceptional. Uh, seeing the response, um, seeing the locations, we have listeners in India, Belgium, Australia, America. And as far afield as Sumi Vara. So uh, (laughs) it's absolutely brilliant. And fair play to Robbie for all the work on Instagram as well. So until next time, Robbie, thanks a million. Talk to you soon, Bob. And again, best of luck to all in the Capers final Saturday night. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.